Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Why, hello, everyone. It's another week, and happy Monday wherever you are. I'm super excited today because we're going to steam up your windows. No, but <laughs> we do have steamy romance author Jordan Monroe on with us today. And if you haven't read her before, you're in for a treat. She's got a new book that's actually dropping tomorrow, so you guys can go pre-order it today, and we're going to find out all about that. If you haven't read Jordan before, I will go ahead and read her bio here so you can get to know her. Jordan Monroe believes there is no such thing as a guilty pleasure. She enjoys playing her French horn, attempting to bake, and buying too many books to fit on her bookshelves. She lives in Maryland with her husband and very spoiled cat. And you can find out more about her on her website. I did put a link right there on Blog Talk. So if you are listening live right now or if you're listening later, click that anytime so that you can get connected. I believe she has a newsletter on there, too, for you to sign up. So definitely go check it out. And without any delay, are you there, Jordan? Hi. Yes, I am. Yay! Thanks for coming on today. You have a new book tomorrow, Ill-Fated Mate. Do you want to tell everybody about it, why they should run grab it? Certainly. Uh, so Ill-Fated Mate is the story of a god of ill fate that has been cursed to remain locked in his prison, um, a cavern as deep in the rural mountains of Saxony, Germany. And he's been cursed to stay there until his soul's his soulmate comes to free him and he waits and waits and waits and he waits you know thousands of years and then her her aura is made known to him and because he can't actually go travel to bring her to him to go get her he has to devise a way to signal to her to come to him and it follows their it follows their story it follows their journey to to love and happiness um, he is also, because he's been locked away uh, in this prison for a couple thousand years, um, this, is a, this is a virgin hero. Ah. I wanted to ask you, because this is kind of a new, a new um, popular swell of these monster romances. So this guy is not a shifter, right? He stays, he stays a monster. He's some kind of gargoyle. Correct. Um, it's, he's he's inspired by Chernabog from Disney's Fantasia. So think tall, black wings, um, yellow eyes, claws. He's yes. He stays this. He stays in this sort of gargoyle, demonic form uh, throughout the book. Okay, and I wanted to ask you what what was your attraction to to writing, you know, a real monster falling in love? What what was the draw of that? I like the idea of sort of turning things on their head. Um, I you know, Chernabog when back in the you know early the late thirties and the forties when they were drawing Fantasia and animating Fantasia. They were, the animators are discussing the notion of the epitome of evil. And so what you see on the screen is what they came up with to answer that question. And so Chernabog 
looks for all the world like the devil. And mm-hmm. I have in thinking about monster romance, a lot of the like several of the monster romance books that I've read to, you know, sort of get a feel for the genre, the monsters themselves are quite gentle, quite soft with their heroines. Um, the you know, I mean, even some of the alphas, like they're they're quite protective. Um, they care. And to be honest, thinking about the year that we've had, the years that we've had, starting with the with COVID and then with sort of discussions about reproductive health and justice and choice, the real monsters are us. And I would argue yes. specifically men in power who do not seem to empathize with their, you know, non-binary and or female presenting human counterparts. So this monster, while he looks bad, is quite angelic. Nice. And I think that that you've kind of hit on, you know, why Beauty and the Beast is always, you know, a, a favorite and oftentimes it's because Beauty and the Beast really exposes who is the beast, um, especially in Disney's Beauty and the Beast, where you have Gaston as the good-looking, strong human, and then there's the, the prince who is cursed to be a beast. And as the movie unfolds, you realize who is the real beast here? Um, you know, it's it's not the monster. Um, were you going for that in your story? Were you trying to hit on that angle? A little bit. Um, I re- but since this is my debut, I was really trying to focus on honing the story with just the two of them. Um, it is, a, it's also a forced proximity trope. So the sort of the external world kind of falls away. And I, oh, I see. with, and with that, I was also thinking the, the you know, COVID really informed this book um, and considering the need to, the, the, the forced, if, we were, if you were privileged enough, the forced imprisonment inside our own home and to sort of take stock of our lives and what we want, what we want out of our, what we want out of our time and our, in our day-to-day lives. And so when, when readers read the book, they will see most, if not all of the external factors just sort of fall away. So these two characters can focus on their relationship as it's develop as it's growing and developing. And is the ill-fated, you said he's the god of ill-fate. Is that, did you take that from real mythology or did you make it up? Uh, that is from real mythology. Uh, so Chernobog is the Slavic god of ill-fate. And so oh, it's, play I on, know that. it's like a play on words. You know, the fate of mates trope, they are fate and mates, but he's the god of ill-fate. I was trying to be clever. <laughs> I like it. So um, you have on here that it's part of the Gods of Old series. So are there going to be more monsters, and are they all going to be Slavic mythology? Have you thought that far ahead? (laughs) There will be at least one. Um, Our hero has a brother who is the god of auspicious fate. Um, I'm working on that now. Um, And we shall see if if I will incorporate others. Um, but 
if I do, I w- for this series, I would stick with um, Slavic mythology and fairy tales. So think Baba Yaga and Father Frost and those characters. Um, but for now, keeping it, you know, for the next six months or so, we're sticking with um, Chernabog's brother. Okay, so for now, the the Gods of Old series is going to be a duology, just for now, just the two? For now, yes. Oh, very cool. And I wanted to ask about um, our listeners are usually readers, and they're usually really interested in, you know, how your writing journey came to be. And you've written a lot of short stories and things. And so um, everybody's journey is different, but I think yours might be really interesting for them to know. Did you always want to be a writer? You know, how, how did you fall into, you know, finally putting out this novel? Okay, so I have always wanted to be a writer, and in November of 2015, I took a erotic writing course. Um, it was just a one-evening little course, so we did eight exercises, and the instructor gave us her contact information and her newsletter and said, you know, keep, you know, keep in touch. I want to see what your journey is. And then in February of 2016, I was in published I had my first short story published um, in a in a little anthology about um, that all took place all the stories took place in hotels doing that I've gotten um, I have a short story in the best women's erotica of the year volume two that takes place that that story takes place at the Kennedy Center in Washington DC um, and I just sort of just kept doing it why short and why short stories first and not you know novellas and novels and longer works? Really, it was just trying to basically flex my creative writing muscles. The you know if I could do it, sort of prove to myself that I can do this, can tell mm-hmm. a good story in the in the space of you know five thousand words or less. Um, but I will admit that that also limited me in that this journey was quite arduous. Um, there were several points where I thought I couldn't do it. I, could, I was getting ready to give up. Um, many tears with some of our writing colleagues were shed. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I knuckled down. And also these two characters just wouldn't leave me alone. They demanded that their story be told. I love that. And I wanted to ask you, too, um, is it always steamy? I mean, what what attracted you to writing, like, erotica and that kind of thing? Are there other genres you want to tap into? Is, you know, that your true love? How did that all come together? Ooh, we're about to get real personal. Um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I grew up in a pretty – Shade environment um, where human sexuality was something not to discuss, and consider consider me doing this as a bit of a rebellion against that. Um, 
I, I love hearing stories of readers who, of particular of romance readers who, who say, you know, oh, my, my mom or my aunt read all these, all these Harlequin categories, so I got to, I inherited those, or um, all of my mom's Joanna Lindsay's, I, I have those. That was not my situation. That was not how I was brought up. Um, and I would go to the library. I'll never forget this. Um, I'll never, I would go to the library and I would go to the spinning racks with all the little romance paperbacks and the spines, the spines were frayed and almost destroyed. And I would just check them out. The the clinchier the clinch cover, the better. And I would put them in a <laughs> plastic bag and either keep them in the car or keep them under my bed as if my parents wouldn't be able to find them. I thought it was really clever. Um, and I just devoured this content and getting a chance to explore not only my personal connection with sexuality, but the myriad forms and shapes that it takes, the myriad of ways that the human experience can be expressed and felt is something I am just deeply, deeply drawn to. You know, we only have, we only have so many seconds on this earth and I would like to spend more of it exploring those joyful moments, even when those joyful right. moments are private. Right. I like that. And who inspires you when you are, you know, needing to get in the mood to write something steamy? Who do you like to read where you're like, dude, I got to get back to the computer? Hmm. So many. I'm looking, I'm looking at my bookshelf over there. Um, there's Angelina M. Lopez. Uh, her, her first book, Lush Money, is, is, is quite excellent. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Sarah McLean acolyte. Um, I also really enjoy Joanna Shoup. It's really just a whole bunch of names. Um, those are those are the top. Those, those are the first come to mind. Um, and as far as like m- monster writers who have been exploring the monster world, I have to say Tiffany Roberts. Um, her her book Ensnared that that grabbed a hold of me and it will not let go. Um, that's such <laughs> excellent work. And um, the, the Katie Roberts, uh, The Dragon's Bride, that was also a wonderful, delicious delight. You know, those are, those are, those are a good sampling, I think, of who, who imprint, who, who I imprinted on and am not, I'm by no means copying, but trying to emulate. Right. And, follow in their footsteps. Right. There's a, there's something to be said for um, Stephen King, I, I think, said, if you don't have time to read, then you don't have the tools to write. And I always feel like there are certain writers I can go to that I read it and I'm like, oh, I need to go, you know, I'm so fired up, I need to go write. And it has nothing to do with copying or even emulating, really. It's just that, you know, you see someone it really nail a scene and you're just like, Oh, I, I, I feel that. And I want to go, you know, put that right my own. And so, yeah, I, I love hearing, you know, who inspires you. Absolutely. And also uh, those, those writers give me courage 
to go for it, so to speak. Like I'm, I'm like I'll, I'll read a particularly bonkers scene in like a CM Nacosta book, and I'll be like, okay. If that's, don't hold if, back. If that's the, that's the choice that she made. Then I can make I can make these assorted choices. I can take right. that leap. Definitely. So when you were writing Ill Fated Mate, did you um when you finished it, did you feel like you have like a favorite scene that you love that you can't wait for everyone to read? I mean you don't have to give us a spoiler, but but in general is there a cool scene in that book that you can't wait for us to read? Absolutely, yes. Um uh, how shall I describe it? Uh is a an underwater hot spring. Oh, <laughs> underground, excuse me, underground hot springs. Yes. Underground hot springs. Okay. That sounds steamy. Quite literally. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, and what's next for you? Are you writing the second book right now or what? what's coming out next from Jordan Monroe? So I will be I will be releasing a holiday novella. Um, and I will also be working. I am I am also working on the the sequel to this. Um, so the sequel is our, I already have a title for it, which is very different for me. Like the, both both of these two books, the titles came first, which never happens. Usually when I'm writing a short story, the title will come last. I'll get the story done first and then I'll be like, okay, what amalgamation of words that are in this can I could throw together and make that a title and then <laughs> get it out of my, get it out of my life. Um, but no, the sequel to Ill Fate and Mate is called Hard One Prize. And if you read the first book, it'll inform the, the it'll, it will inform the title of book two. Oh, I love that. And so the monsters are kind of inspiring you with titles before you write them. Yes, absolutely. And I wanted to um, mention, too, when before the show when we were talking, um, Ill-Fated Mate is your first self-published novel. And so for readers who are listening, when we have a publisher – the publisher usually handles cover and editing and all that kind of thing. Same with short story anthologies. We just turn in the writing and we're done. So can you tell us the adventure that you've been on since you are now a publisher? And <laughs> how different has this been for you? It has been an adventure. This also was, uh, I was I've benefited from uh, the Word Makers Writing Group, um, several authors, contributed to the production of the work. Um, Coralie Moss actually developed the cover. She, she put it together and it looks, it looks magnificent. Um, and then Mika James was so kind to format it for me. And I'm, I will always be grateful for them. Um, Ad, Allie Williams was the editor and Katrina Caruth mm -hmm. was the beta reader. So it really, this really was a collaborative, a, a collaborative effort, a labor of love, um, and I'm never be able to thank them enough for that. So, but now, just because this was the introduction, now I'm now I'm truly on my own. Um, so I've got 
I've been buying all kinds of software packages and <laughs> learning all kinds of different tricks and things to do. And I will say, uh, marketing is very difficult. So yes, please be kind. To, please be kind to authors who are very much not used to having to sell ourselves. <laughs> it's a disorienting prospect. Yes, yes. As a hybrid author myself, I know that I love um, self-publishing just because I have all the control over the cover and the editing and and the price and everything. But it, it's a lot. It's scary because you're taking a big gamble on every book because you're you know you're paying for this software or for an editor or all the stuff. You're you're paying for that up front before you ever get a single book royalty. So um, it is scary and and thrilling. Um, but you know there's pluses and minuses to both paths of whether you use a publisher or do it yourself. And um, and readers get you know, readers win because they get all the books now. There's no gatekeepers, um, but it, it is a risk for an author. So um, I'm glad you're enjoying it so far, though. Oh, for sure. I don't, I don't know if a traditional publisher or, high, or even a hybrid publisher would want this kind of story because it is, it is a novel, but it is also compact. And being able to being able to make the choices that I made ended up being I didn't think would be would be really important to me, but it was. And I really appreciated that freedom. Yeah, that is a good a good feeling. And what else did you notice? What was the difference between because this is your first novel, right? All your other books were um, novellas or short stories, right? What did you notice was the big difference? The focus. The, the focus and the intimacy with which I had to treat these characters, having to really dig deep into elements of psyche was was an interesting journey, I think, um, because you know, in a, like when you're reading a novel, you still you get like an iceberg level of each character, but even still, like all icebergs, there's much, much more um, thought that's gone into that character that doesn't make it to the page, and having to do all of that development was a challenge but I believe a rewarding one. Um, I believe this will, I believe doing that for this first book will propel me to write a second going and not just <laughs> rest on this one. Because um, at the outset, I basically it's like I wanted to, to see that I could write something of this length. This is a mountain right. for me to climb and now that, now that I've done it, not to say that the rest is just cake, like icing on the cake, for for example, but now I'm really just looking forward to seeing what else I can do. Right. And what else is available I, to me. 
Yeah, and I I got my start um, writing horror short stories and selling those to anthologies and magazines and stuff like that. And I know for me, shifting from a short story to a novel, I enjoyed that there really gets to be like a character growth that you get to see because in a short story, it's it's so compact. It's usually just like one scene, and we don't get a whole bunch of characters character growth. So when you write a novel, you get to see somebody who maybe is very broken at the beginning who finds their way and and grows into the person that you knew they could be at the beginning, but the, you know, maybe they didn't know or something like that. Did you feel that when you were writing longer form fiction? Certainly. And and with the growth with the growth in particular, uh the hero of of Ill Fate and Mate it's, it's quite the growth treatment um, because he is a virgin hero. You know, he may be a god, but in quite a number of aspects, he's quite young at heart. Um, and he learns from his heroine. And that was something beautiful for me to explore. Um, I, I enjoy getting to think about and talk about and write about you know, males and females in conversation with one another and taking the time to put ego aside and learn from one another to grow and develop and become a better version of oneself. I love that. And when you wrote, when you wrote this book, are you a, I don't know if you're a plotter or a pantser, but it, did you get any big surprises? Was there, you know, something in the book that you thought was going to go one way and the characters were like, nah, we're going to, you know, was, did you have any big surprises while you were writing the book? For sure. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a planter. So <laughs> I had the basic contours of what I needed to do. Um, so in like in Stephen King's on writing, he says he says he just he talks about setting up a scenario like what mm-hmm. if a car broke down and, and a mother and child were in there and there was a rabbit dog outside? What does nice. that look like? That was something that was sort of similar with how I did how I started with this, um, and then as I started as I started working on it, I one of the big one of the big challenges and that ended up being the most surprising mechanism was in a very many paranormal books, paranormal slash monster adjacent books, the one of the characters is where one of the characters is a is a different creature or species and more often than not like an an immortal figure, like a vampire, mm-hmm. for example. The way you solve the happily ever after is that the other character ends up being changed right into the into the respective species like i i I immediately think of twilight because that that book came out when i was 15 or 16 so again that that steered into my memory and right i'm i've never loved that device thinking like oh if you have to change yourself to be with me that's what that sort of hits on for me and I was I remember just as I was getting ready to try to solve this problem I was like I can't have her do like in Greek myth where you know she becomes the star or we turn right. her into 
some sort of cloud or something like that. It's like, no, I need the, I need the immortal figure to have to humble himself, get his happily ever after in some kind of way. And that's the choice that I made. And I hope, I hope readers like that. Um, Cause that's, that was, that was how I solved that problem. That was, that was the most surprising part of no, I love that. Together. Okay, so we're running out of time, but everybody's got to go and get ill-fated mate because then you can find out what happens there at the end with that, with the god and the mortal woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. So before we go, can you tell everybody how readers can get in touch with you? Are you on social media? Do you want them to go through your website? Certainly. Um, I am on social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MRS Jordan Monroe. Um, I'm also on TikTok and Instagram at author Jordan Monroe. And then from, from there, you can find my link tree that has all of my links um, to my website to sign up for my newsletter to see the other books that I'm that my work is in on Amazon, and you know, come come hang out with me on on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. That's that's where I like to that's where I like to party and have fun on, on <laughs> social medias. Okay, so everyone, run out and pre-order. It'll be out tomorrow. Ill-fated mate, and thanks so much, Jordan, for being here today. It was great chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. See you later. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.